Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Hello and welcome to Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis and we're on a high. We haven't experienced this for a, quite a while. We're bringing you this show after an Adelaide 36ers win, so that's pretty exciting because the team looked great back in action on Tuesday night after a 31-day break. And now, as we record this, we're getting ready for a big game at home to Melbourne United on Saturday as well. So plenty for us to get through on this show. We'll bring you an Ask the Coach segment with Jamie Perlman later on where, thanks to Sports Card World, one of our listeners will... We'll win big, so stay tuned for that. I'm Chris Pike, but the man you have all tuned in to hear from, the Adelaide 36ers legend himself, the only man involved in every championship the 36ers have won, Scott Ninnis. You must be feeling good after what you saw on Tuesday night. Feeling fantastic, mate. Mm. uh, Let let me tell you, there's a couple of things. It's a stinking hot night in Adelaide. It's humid here. Uh, My two younger children are in lockdown again for another seven days. Again. Um, For our loyal listeners, you'll you'll remember that last time we did a show, they just were in a lockdown. I have a 6.30 a.m. fitness uh, session in the morning with my South Adelaide Panthers. And meatloaf died, so yes, I've, uh, I've got I've got so I've got batter out of hell playing in the background, mate. So it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's been a big day, but yeah, you're right. It's uh, Tuesday night was uh, yeah, it was just such an interesting night. I mean, you know, you go into that, and I, and I went with a couple of mates, and I was there with Rupert Sapwell and Dave Wren, our old 36 team trainer, and uh, you know, talking pre game, you just had no feel as to what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like 31 days since the 36ers played. You know, Perth had, had rampant COVID issues. You didn't know. You couldn't pick who was going to win. You couldn't pick whether it was going to be a 30-point result mm-hmm. either way. Um, so, But to see 36ers come out with that positive mindset was was really exciting. You know, and especially you go back to the last game against Cairns and Cairns, that was as disappointing a loss as you can. So, uh, yeah, mate, everyone was up and about. Uh, it was really exciting, and, and it's, uh, everyone goes into a really positive mindset uh, against Melbourne United. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get stuck into that in a bit more depth, Scotty, um, you talked about everything that's happening today. At least you're not a Sydney Kings fan right now, because can you imagine wearing purple right now and sitting through a fourth quarter? They just don't know what happens once once it gets to that fourth period. Mate, I've been there. <laughs> was my last, my last year with the thirty sixes, we uh, yeah, we we lost some games from unlosable positions. Mm-hmm. I know I've mentioned that on this podcast before. You know, two games, four points up, twenty seconds to go, with the ball, and managed to lose both those games. And uh, you know, the problem that resulted from that is that every time the game got tight. Uh, we we just didn't didn't know how to win, and, and I think you know that it's probably it, you know it's probably not even worse than what's in this happening now because you know it doesn't matter how far they get up, their fourth quarters have just uh, gone completely pear shaped. Mm. And, and I know I watched the game, and uh, you know Xavier Cook's getting uh, getting thrown out in the second quarter with his uh, technical foul after his first on Sports and Lights foul was obviously hurt, yeah. but. 
it, it's more than that. If they just want to wash their hands and say that's the reason we lost, well, it's it's a bigger problem than that. And uh, that's the problem in this league at the moment is we try and catch up with games, and, and I know we're facing that mm. over the next next week. We, we're going to have four games in seven or eight days or whatever it is. You know, if you have a problem, you don't have enough time to correct it or speak to the sports psychologist no. or. Um, and they they have some issues. They they just yeah they they just they have problems when it comes down to that last quarter because uh, it doesn't matter how much of a lead they have, but it, you know teams are going to be confident they can uh, overrun them in the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. So in that game on Friday night tonight, as we record this, they were nineteen points up in the second quarter before letting that slip. But back to Sunday, they were ten points up with five minutes to go, and they ended up losing by seven. Uh, you've talk, yeah. you've talked about how some of those games you let slip. I don't know if you've ever had one quite as bad as that, have you? Oh, I've had a couple, mate. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, and 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 that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I always talk about talk to my players, and you know, you know, back back when I was with the Sixers, and now with the South Adelaide boys about momentum, mm. and you, you know, like basketball in particular, is such a game of momentum. But I, I don't think this year in some of the games I've seen in the NBL, such massive momentum swings every week. Yeah. You know, like it, it's, it's, you know, like it, it happens regularly and you, you know, as a coach, you can try and, you know, you can call your timeouts, you can make subs, but, you know, like when momentum goes about against you, sometimes it's just impossible to get back and, and We've seen that on a weekly basis at the moment, and it's it's, it's bloody scary. I tell, mm. I tell you, as a coach, you know, like uh, these, these things can cost you your career if they happen on a regular basis. And uh, but once again, on the other side of it, it's one of the beautiful things about our game is that you know, like there's always an opportunity to get back. You know, we we played. You know, when I was assistant thousand years ago, we we played Perth in Perth. 26 down at three-quarter time in the semi-final and come back and win that game. And, and that is one of the one of the beautiful things about basketball that does give you an opportunity to get on those sort of roles. Uh, as a coach, yeah, it, it's not quite as beautiful. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just make that fairly clear. I think you can see it <laughs> written all over Chase Buford's face just how much it's not enjoyable when you can't do anything about it as a coach. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, uh, now, Tuesday night, before we talk about the good things that happened, um, did it ever cross your mind during the second half when the Wildcats were making a bit of a run that we might see something similar to what we saw at the NBL Cup last year? Well, of course it did. Mm. I mean, they're the Perth Wildcats, mm. and they, you know, you have, uh, you know, Bryce Cotton and Vic Law, and, you know, Mitch Norton's back, and Blanchfield's there. Mm. Of course it does. And we haven't, uh, you know, we have let, you know, teams back in the game before. I, to be honest with you, on the night, it, it, I didn't have that concern because I just felt there was a mindset and the way they, the, the way they came out and the way they were playing, um, the shortened rotations I thought were fantastic. Um, I didn't, I felt we were always going to hang on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say that hand on heart. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not. Not just uh, not just saying that for the sake of uh, you know being on this podcast, but mm. I always felt they were going to find the right way to, to get through it and get the stop they needed to do or the basket they need, need to get. I love seeing Sunday Dex back in the game. Like he's yeah, you know, he's such an important part of this team. Um, but once again, yeah, 
there were some nervous moments, don't get me wrong, but I always felt we were going to be able to you know, outlast them in the end. Yeah, I thought so too. We'll come back and talk about the start because that was really impressive. But at the end of the third quarter, they were able to hit a couple of shots and get a bit of momentum, get the margin under double figures. But the way the 36ers started that fourth quarter, it put the game to bed pretty much a minute into the into the fourth quarter. I think the lead was back out to 17 when, when Bairstow and, and Daniel Johnson hit some... Big shots. How important was it to start that fourth quarter strongly after after the Wildcats had hit a couple of buckets late in the third? Oh, it's massive. And, and, and you, you know, the way you start the fourth quarter, I mean, you know, I had a lot of years under Phil Smythe in some pretty incredible teams here with the 36ers. You know, Phil always used to start the fourth quarter with his starting group, mm-hmm. regardless of what had happened. It didn't matter whether someone was on the hottest, Hottest streak of all time. You know, he would always start that fourth quarter. We're going in there with the guys that we start the game with who are going to get us off to a good start. And and uh, I, I felt that was, you know, I didn't always agree with that. You know, I could feel if someone was on a bit of a roll, you go with them. But it's, I guess what I'm saying is such an important key to the game mm. is that, that last quarter in the right in the right way. And uh, we obviously did that. Um yeah, there, there was a mindset about them that, uh, you know, you, you always thought they weren't going to lose that game. And, you know, once again, I mean, you, you know, you can sit here and talk about, you know, Perth had 10 or 12 people in that organisation had COVID, but basically most of the players had COVID. Mm. Yeah, were they suffering from it? Yeah, they, you know, the, the hangover from it, you know, it affects everybody differently. I've had five of my South Adelaide boys have got it. Mm. You know, some of them got into their lungs and have been hospitalised. Oh, wow. Others, others, it wasn't more than a, you know, like a, a like a sniff. Mm-hmm. So it's going to affect people differently. But I, but once again, it doesn't matter going forward with this next game against United. You know, why we won that game, won that game so well. The the, the you know, the confidence they were taking from there into that next game is, is really, really important. So uh, I think that's, that's the key going forward. Yep, totally agree. The start of the game was was so important after such a long break. And, you know, you can take a look at it. I think it was 8-2 to two on the start. That ended up being 25-7. to seven And the lead got out to 19 points during the first quarter. It was an amazing start. But I think it all came down to Mitch McCarron. We've talked on the show quite a bit this season that we need to see him being more aggressive. We don't want him to just be a be a playmaker and a passer. We want him to be looking for his shot because he's, he can be a good scorer when he wants to be. And he started the game scoring and then he hit a couple of big shots in that first quarter. And from there, he was then able to settle into being a, a facilitator because he'd already made himself dangerous. But I thought he was the one that set the tone from the very start. No, absolutely. He hit three on that first play of the yep. game. It's like, okay, here we go. And uh, yeah, he, he understands that as well. He knows that, he needs to be more aggressive. I don't know that it's naturally instinctive mm. for him to be a, you know, an aggressive scorer yeah. and look for a shot all the time. But he does understand, in my conversations with him, that he does need to be more aggressive. So for him to come out and be looking for a shot early, what I was most impressed with, you know, is the way he rebounded the Absolutely. ball in that first quarter. Yep. Oh, and I don't know what he had, but I'd imagine it was five or six rebounds in that first mm. quarter. So he set the tone and was chasing Cotton around mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, like there's there's a couple of couple of reasonably difficult things to do. Be aggressive <laughs> offensively, rebound the ball and go the best mm-hmm. player that we've seen in the league for the last <laughs> 10 years. So, uh, so yeah, he, he definitely set the tone. And uh, that was great to see. 
to finish, uh, you know, two assists off a triple double. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just need to see more of that on a consistent basis. I thought he looked really sharp. I thought he looked in shape. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, and, and once again, you don't know how, you know, a break of a month. They've trained five times a month, mm-hmm. so you, you just don't know how that's going to impact upon players physically and mentally as well. But obviously, he came out of that in, in really good nick. You know, you'd expect him to be up and about, you know, against Dylan Dover, mm. um, against his old team that he won a championship with. So uh, hopefully that's just the start of great things to come. I wanted to ask, you touched on the fact that it's been a 31-day break. The last game was that horrible game in Cairns. We know all about that. We've talked about it plenty. But the fact that in 31 days they were only able to get five practice sessions together, I mean... You think about having a 31-day break, you think that you must have been able to have time to work on a lot of things and you'll come out, you know, ready to go. But the fact that they had such a bad preparation in terms of just not getting on the court together and there, I think there was four or five guys that only got out of isolation another seven days of isolation on the Monday before the game on Tuesday. So that's far from ideal of a preparation. I mean, I know you talked about the Wildcats and their, their troubles as well. So both teams are probably in a similar boat, but... Under those circumstances, to come out and start a game that well, it's a, it's a hell of an effort, I think. Oh, I think there's a couple of things. What it, what it tells you, and the longer I go in this game and have been involved in this game, is how important the mental side of things is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you could go, you know, shit, we've only trained five times. You, you know, we're, we're going to be underdone. Um, you know, but if you're switched on mentally... You, know, you, you can override a lot of lot of problems. Mm. Second thing too is is you have to have that fitness base here. So yeah, you know, what you've done in the preseason, I know that was disrupted as well. I mean, you can't just go, well, we, we've trained five times in thirty one days, and we're going to be good if we, we've been, you know, fat asses have been sitting on our backside <laughs> doing nothing yep. as well. I mean, there, there has there has to be a, you know, there has to be the work that's put into you in the preseason. Mm. You know, comes into play as well, but. Mentally, it, it just amazes me as you go forward how important that side of the game is. And, you know, and, and every coach that's been around for any amount of time will tell you that as well. And we were switched on mentally. We go up the cans, we're not switched on mm. mentally. Yep. And, and I'm not saying, it, you, know, that, you know, we're switched on mentally in cans doesn't necessarily mean we win that game either, but you know, we don't get down like 40 sure. either. So it's it's just, uh, it's such a fine line. If you could bottle that up mm. and, uh, well, you'd probably be the richest man in the universe <laughs> if you could bottle up, uh, mm. you know, getting, you know, getting your players ready to play every time they hit the court. Um, it would be a pretty special thing. And I guess that probably separates, you, you know, the, the great coaches, the Brian Gorgians and uh, these sort of guys from, you know, for the people that don't last, you know, they, they get their players ready to play every time. They don't have, you know, they, they're, they're going to have games when they lose, obviously, um, but they there's a standard that they never drop below, even when they aren't having a good game. Because you're going to, you're going to, there's games going to shoot, shoot poorly. There's oh. games you're going to, you, you know, like, uh, team's going to get on a roll, but you have a certain line that, you, you, you don't drop below it all that often and you, you don't go that all that high enough above it either. There's consistency. You know, that's what I'm trying to explain to these boys back at the NBL1 level is that you cannot have those wild swings. You know, mm. you cannot have 
these massive highs, these massive lows, you've got to, you know, you get to get closer to that line that is where you are at the most of the time. Two more players I wanted to get your thoughts on quickly. Cam Bairstow, first of all. It's a remarkable story. We know, obviously, what was it, you know, six six years ago he was playing in the NBA and he's been an Olympian. He's been a, been a great player, but his body's let him down really for the last four years probably of his career. And to be honest, he was on the scrap heap. Nobody, nobody wanted him this NBL season, but he came to Adelaide to be a training player, to see if he could fit into the system. He was the last player signed to join the team. And right now, he's almost a barometer of the team. His effort rebounding, you know, I know he shot the ball great. He went, you know, 8 of 12, had 19 points. But his rebounding, especially on the offensive glass, was was huge in this game because we needed someone to set the tone in the effort level areas after that game in Cairns. And that's exactly what he did. I don't know. I think he's he might even be surprising himself that his body's allowing himself to still play, you know, at this high of a level. Well, right now it looks like the signing of the season, mm-hmm. and and you know, like I was out, I was I was with the team in the preseason when there was discussion was made about bringing him in, and you know, I don't, I don't think CJ mind me saying he was a little apprehensive about it, mm-hmm. purely from what you're saying. Like he, you know, can he keep his body together? Yeah. Can he do the right thing? The, the first day he came in, he was in the gym an hour and a half before training started. And was stretching and mm. warming up to get basically to get his body right. Mm. And I like I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Like there's a guy that completely in tune with what's happening with him physically, and then he came out and he was here for a bit of it was a three or four day tryout. Might, might have got to extend it for another couple of days, yep. and it was a no brainer. Like there's a got there's a professional athlete that. Is strong as a strong as a bloody ox can hit the jump shot. You know, like athletically, is still good. Defensively, you can't move him, and it, and it became a no-brainer to sign him. And you know, moving forward, it's 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 looking like an inspired choice. And, and you know, I love the fact that uh, CJ and, and JVG and, and Grant Kelly have, have gone. Yep, let's let's go with this. I mean, any team in the NBA would have been happy to have him. If they could have confidence, his body was going to yeah, hold up. Right, right now, right now, it's an inspired choice, and uh, he's probably been our—well, not probably—he's been our most consistent he player has, over these yeah, no, over these games, over these six games we played. And, and if you know, if we were doing our votes right now, he's probably our MVP. You know, like it's—I uh, just hope you know—he looks like he's like he's limbed down. He's in great shape. Mm. You know, he's yeah, you know, he's going to get to play a lot tomorrow night as well. Uh, um, you know, they, they they have narrowed the rotations down. Yeah. I think there'll be some players that don't play a lot tomorrow night, if at all, as well, because of injuries and COVID. Yeah. So uh, I just love what he's brought to the table, and uh, you know, there's no fans there about it. He just works his ass off and he gets this done. And uh, as as a coach, he would be loving what he's bringing to the table. Oh, definitely, definitely. The other one is Sunday Detch. We talked about how much he was missed. We talked about how excited we were to get him back on the court. I reckon he surpassed what we could have hoped he, he brought. He, he played 20 minutes. He banked in that three as soon as he got on the floor, which was obviously <laughs> a nice way to start. But he then also gave Mitch McCarron a bit of a reprieve on guarding Bryce Cotton at times. So they kind of, you know, split that role. You know, just his energy at both ends of the floor. The team, to be honest, looked better when when he was part of it. Uh, well, I... 
I'm biased. I'm, I'm a fan. Mm. He's my favourite player in the team. I just think what he what he brings to the team. But I, I agree with you, Chris. I think what you know, for the amount of time it's been a huge amount of time out of the game for him. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to come and come and be a contributor. I, I was expecting some spot minutes. I was expecting him to defend, but. Uh, I thought his minutes were, were fantastic. He was really important. I, I would expect that to grow going forward. Um, yeah, he's just such an important part of this team. You know, from, from clearly from a defensive point of view, but also offensively, you know, the work, and I've said this before, the work he did in the off-season, but also as a vocal leader in that team, well, he's absolute key. Um, you know, him and Mitch McCarron, you know, they're the two leaders of this team and uh, you know, we need a hundred uh, uh, we need a healthy Sunday Dutch on the on the court and uh, I, I just love that he he was able to come back and make that sort of uh, contribution in his first game. Did Brett Ma teach him how to bank in a three, do you reckon? Or did he did he do do that on his off his own bat? Let's not. I've told you before, mate. We don't want to blow too much sunshine up Brett Maher's ass because oh. he'd be claiming he'd be claiming every basket that Sunday mm-hmm. makes at the moment is because of the work that he did with him in the off season. Yeah. But uh, but no, seriously, like uh, and, I, and I've said this to people too. You know, like you know, you're, you're a Sunday and you see, you know, maybe one of the areas you need improvement is your game is, is your perimeter shooting and, and he, you know, he sounds out and sources out a Brett Maher mm-hmm. to come and work out with him. It's, it's, uh, seems like common sense, but not a lot of people do that. And, no. uh, what, what I saw firsthand, what he did, you know, like, uh, yeah, away from team training was, was quite incredible. And that, that's why it was so disappointing, you know, when he got that obviously very serious injury. Yeah. Uh, early on was so disappointing, but uh, hopefully we can just look to him going on a bigger and better things for the rest of the season, and and hopefully for a, for a lot of years to come here with the thirty sixes. Obviously, it's it's a nice thing if you get Brett Maher's help, but if he came to you and asked who he should go to for help from a shooting point of view, what have you re- recommended? One of my favourite players and a guy you coached, the Doctor Darren Ring. What have you recommended him instead? No, he's making too much money, uh, you know, <laughs> chopping chopping off people's uh, legs, mate. He doesn't he is, need, he? Uh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't need any. Uh, Darren, I, I coached Darren. Uh, you know, he's one of the loveliest blokes you've ever come across, and he was, you know, he was that guy that you know could hit three threes in two minutes. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you, you know, you, you go from level to you know ten point nine or ten points up. And at the end of the game, you might ten, and that you look back, and that was the momentum change of a game. So uh, still would I still would get Brett over Darren if you were okay. in a shooting competition because Brett would talk so much shit. <laughs> he and, would, he's, he's almost, and, he's almost uh, our, our version of Larry Bird, isn't he? In a three point, point he would, contest, he would. Well, but no one knows that, Chris. Everyone mm. thinks, oh, he's such a good bloke, <laughs> such a golden child. I've seen some pretty, seen some pretty ruthless. Uh, you know, shooters, you know, like I've been involved with Andrew Gaze mm-hmm. and Shane Hill and John Rilly and Brett Maher. And, and it, it's not just a ability to shoot the ball, it's the ability to be so mentally tough mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you know, be able, to, be able to, you know, impart their will mentally on yep. <laughs> on, on people as well. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Brett's, Brett's right at the top of the tree with that. He, yeah. uh, he didn't lose too many shooting games. One, because he could shoot the piss out of it, obviously. But, uh, uh, yeah, two, he had a mental toughness about him that uh, really only a lot of the real great, you know, real, real, real great players have. That's why I love the Larry Bird stories. 
You hear about when he went to the All Star game, walks into the change rooms and says, "All right, guys, who's playing for second place?" And and he, <laughs> but he actually, but then he backs it up. Then he goes out and wins the the contest, and they really were playing for second place. And I love the story Connor told us last year as well about how you know Larry just as soon as this this young guy from California walked into into the Celtics, he just says, "Look, he just says, he just tells him, look, you are as low as the the dirt on my the bottom of my shoes and." And he backed it up, and that's how he treated Connor for for that season. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's uh, and, and we're in a different generation now. You, you couldn't get away with that now, but it's it's uh, so it's an interesting change in mindset too. But you know, the, yeah, once again, you still get the blokes who are mentally tough. And uh, I think Connor Connor you know, now we, would tell you that that was good for him. That toughened him up. Absolutely, mm. no no question about that whatsoever. Now you mentioned our votes before, Scott. So. In our Player of the Year award, thanks to Premium Wine Tours, we haven't done this for a long time. So the last game, we both agree that no one deserved votes from that game in Cairns. So it's been a long time <laughs> since anyone got votes. So I think it would have been, when was it? It would have been December 12 last year when somebody last got votes in this Player of the Year award. So it's been a long time coming. And I'm fascinated to see which way you go with your votes for this game because I I think there's four people who deserve votes. Only three of them can get votes. I don't know who deserves the three because there were some really good performances, but it's your decision to this, make. What do you think? This is a really tough one for me, and I'll give you a couple of honourable mentions. Um, I thought Hiram Harris's mm-hmm. minute were fantastic. I was surprised to see him get on the court as early as what he did, but the energy levels went up every time he was on the court, and his, you know, what he did defensively, oh, yeah, six points and three rebounds in 18 minutes or whatever it was. So it wasn't, you know, like a, like he's not getting to my votes. But I, I thought that he really put his foot forward to become part of the rotation. Mm. You know, here's a guy who's, you know, he's undersized. You, you know, you can't say that he's, he's a great, yeah, three-point shooter. You can't, yeah, like he, he just does everything really, really well. Yep. And, I, and I love guys like that. I love guys that you just put out there and you know that they're going to... And I'll tell you what, there's been a few of them out in New Zealand, you know, yeah. over, over the time, hasn't there? Those, you know, the Dylan Bouchers, yep. the, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of type of player who just, you go out there and you know you're better when they're on the court than when they're not. Um, Sunday, once again, I, I thought was was fantastic in his minutes he played. But uh, but for me, I gave three votes to Cam Besto. Mm-hmm. I thought he was you know nineteen and ten, uh, really important minutes. Um, just you know, you just always felt comfortable when he was on the floor. Yeah. He to me to me he just edged out Mitch McCarron. Yep. Uh, 10 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and set the tone for us, as we spoke about earlier as well. And once again, this is probably a little bit unfair on DJ because we always, <laughs> our expectations of him are always so high. Yeah. He had 21 points and 8 rebounds, for yep. God's sake, yep. and, I'm, and, I'm giving him, and I'm giving him one vote. Mm. I, I just, you know, and, and, I, and I'm conscious of the fact, once again, that we, you know, we, we, Expected from him now, um, but I just thought those other two guys, yeah, were probably a little bit better than him on the night. So it's uh, it's it's nothing against EJ, but yeah, for me, three to best though, two to McCarran, and uh, one to DJ. No, I agree. If you had asked me beforehand which way I would have gone, I would have gone the exact same way, and we didn't talk about that beforehand. So, I, so I <laughs> so I totally agree. Agree, Scott. Um, all right. 
let's take a deep breath. When we come back, we'll have our Ask the Coach segment, thanks to Sports Card World, where I catch up with Jamie Perlman. And then when we come back, Scott, I'm really looking forward to picking your brain about these two big games to come over the over the next few days, starting with Melbourne and then Illawarra. So let's hear from Jamie Perlman next. Okay, back here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnison. Probably time for everyone's favourite part of part of the show. Our Ask the Coach segment, thanks to Sports Card World. And and again, Jamie, we've got a terrific prize to give away. Five packs of the brand new NBA hoops basketball cards. We hope everyone can find a Josh Giddy pack in there. Nate Turner was our winner <laughs> last week when we when we spoke to CJ Bruden. Now I'm back with Jamie Perlman, the the mastermind assistant coach. Jamie <laughs> Our first chance to chat in 2022. Happy New Year to you. And I guess most importantly, I'm sure you're over the moon to have now finally got a game underway this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, not playing since the 18th of uh, December. Uh, it was a very long stretch uh, with uh, many guys in and out of isolation and COVID protocols. So it was uh, number one, fantastic. You know, another game under our belt, and uh, number two, obviously, to come away with a win and and play some uh, really good basketball at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Before we talk some of that basketball, how did you go with the COVID protocols? I mean, first of all, did you catch catch COVID, and how much time have you had to spend in isolation over the past month? Yeah, so I know I've uh, I have escaped it at this point in time, um, and all in all, spent uh, two weeks, so uh, two seven day stints um, as close contacts. Um, so yeah, so uh, a lot of time to be analysing uh, our start of the season. <laughs> yep. Probably too much time, to be honest. But uh, you start you start going a little bit stir crazy, uh, watching game after game uh, on repeat. So um, yeah, so it was. Uh, you know, with um, you know, there was two sides to it. You got time to sort of reflect on where the season was at and where we needed to improve on. Um, but at the same time, uh, it would have been uh, great just to be able to get on, be on the floor uh, with the whole team and continuing to build. But um, again, very happy with the way obviously we we bounced back in our first game, and hopefully we can keep that going. Yeah, I mean, it was a great unknown, wasn't it? How you would come out, thirty-one day break, and I think. As CJ mentioned, you only had five tr- five training sessions as a group in that entire thirty-one days, so it was it was hardly ideal preparation. And we've seen some teams really struggle in their first game back after after a long break. But geez, you couldn't have started any better. I mean, that that first quarter and most of the first half on Tuesday was fantastic, and even the response in the fourth quarter was really good. I mean, given the circumstances and given you still had players unavailable, that was probably as about about as good as you could have hoped. Oh, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. I think every team right now coming out of, you know, long time, you know, between games and with the various COVID protocols, you really, it's a real uncertainty about, you know, what you're going to get from your team, what the opposition is going to bring. And it really was one of those games where you go in there feeling confident, you know, with your preparation. But there is so many unknowns. Um, but, you know, as I said, just couldn't be more pleased with the guys' application. that They were ready to go. Uh, we had, you know, guys really stepped up. And, yeah, uh, it was, um, yeah, we couldn't even imagine uh, how how well we got off to the start and, and really put our foot in their throats in that yeah. first half. And always you're not going to come back and have a run at us in that um, in that second half. Uh, but the way I stuck with it and 
really resilient there and, and held that, that little buffer towards the end. Um, no, it was, a, it was a positive side all around. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, that's enough from me, Jamie. Let's get to our our fans here on Sixers Fix and Adelaide 36ers fans because one of these listeners desperately wants to win that win that prize. So thanks to Sports Card World for making this possible. Um, I'll start with Nick McEwer, one of our favourites, and he's got two questions. So I'll start with his first one for you, Jamie. Um, he's asked... Yep. Given the limited availability to play games at the start of the season, do you see the volume of games we have to play in order to catch up now as an advantage or a hindrance? Um, I think what you'll find is there's uh, a lot of teams who have to catch up a lot of games, and I think everyone's going to be somewhat in the same boat. So I think everyone across the league are going to have those times where they have a number of games packed in close together. And I think everyone, every team will have that patch throughout the season. And, and look, so it'll come down to, well, who can who can manage that the best? Uh, it's going to be about whose roster is, is most healthy during those periods of time. So, look, I think everyone's going to, I think everyone's going to experience it. Um, obviously, you know, with a good win, you know, we, we want to go on to the next one as well and try to keep the momentum going. So we, we don't want to stop. So, yeah, let's uh, go get another one and then uh, another win against Melbourne and then and then keep it rolling for the next two to go on the road. So uh, right now we're happy to keep playing. You know, we're happy to keep playing every three to four days and, again, keep building on what we did last game and momentum going. Absolutely. Now, the second one from, from Nick, he's asked, should we expect Mitch McCarron to be so assertive in setting the tone for all games moving forward, or are we hoping to see other players be active in that space? Uh, look, uh, you know, Mitch has obviously had a fantastic game on, on the weekend. He's our captain. He's our leader on the floor. You know, there is a, a lot of responsibility that falls on his shoulders. And I think uh, with any new team, you know, he's getting to know his teammates and getting to understand them as individuals and um, how to get the most out of those uh, those guys. And but at the end of the day, yeah, he's um, you know, he will lead the group. He will, you know, when he feels like the energy needs to, to lift, he'll he'll help drive that. Um, when there's other players who are bringing that energy, who are getting it done, he'll he'll step back a bit and let those guys take over. So obviously, we're extremely experienced veteran. Great to have him on our group and I think you'll see that at times you know in various games that he will really take over and drive the team and other times kind of just let it happen naturally uh, for everybody else on the floor at that time yeah for sure just a quick one from me to follow up on how do you think he's feeling about playing Melbourne United for the first time now tomorrow well look he's pretty uh he's pretty he's pretty calm sort of guy about those types of matchups I think you know, he would say, you know, that's just another game that we have to come out and play well and continue to build and all those sort of things. But I think deep down, I think he's honestly uh, you know, very fired up for the game. And came up against um, Delhi as well, you know, his first year back in the NBL. That's exciting as well to go matched up against him. So I think you'll, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you'll see, um, you know, a, a tremendous game and a tremendous battle between those two. And um, that in itself is going to be a very yeah, absolutely. Yep, plenty to look forward to. Now, this one's from James Kuhlman, and he's he's clearly a bit of a character. He's sent a couple to CJ in the past where he's challenged CJ to one-on-one games. He's asked if he could beat CJ in one-on-one games, and, and CJ's quickly put him back in his, in his place. So I'm interested to see how you handle his question, Jamie. He's, okay. a- <laughs> he's asked, am I better than LeBron James? 
Look, um, I don't know, James, this uh, <laughs> game that in-depth. Mm. Um, but at this point in time, until I did a bit more scouting, a bit more research <laughs> on James's game, I'd probably have to stick with LeBron for the moment, mm. okay? But, you know, you know, I'll probably just need a little bit more research, a little bit more scouting on James's game. You know, just because, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of his game, mm-hmm. but um, I don't want to completely discount it. But right now, I think I'd go for LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> uh, keep trying, James. We'll we'll keep putting your questions to the coaches. So 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 keep them coming. Now a bit more a bit more of a serious one. Kyle Woods always a bit of a lateral thinker. I like his his questions. So Kyle's asked Jamie if you could sit down with three basketball minds and talk ball, who would they be and why? Oh, do you think you ever say Popovich at school? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know he's a. Uh, you know, his you know, record speaks for itself and um, you know, how players respond to him and, and what they say about him as a coach. I think he's a, well, probably one of the, one of the greatest uh, minds out there. Mm. Um, look, I think, uh, I think Brian Gordon's a real, a real mm. great character. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he's, uh, he's from, a, I guess, more of an Australian perspective, even though he's an American coach. He's mm. obviously spent so much time, you know, I think he'd be another one. Tremendous insight into the game, and um, and look, I, as a third one, it's like you know CJ Bruton with his experience and all his experiences across the world playing the game. Uh, all the coaches he's interacted with as well. He's uh, he's been fantastic to work with and, and get to know as well as a person, as well as you know, understand that you know just picking his brain, his IQ in regards to the game is a very high level. So I'm lucky right now to be uh, yeah, to, I feel like to be working with CJ right now and um, yeah, getting his insights into the game of basketball. No, tough to argue with those three. Um, did you did you hear enough of Aaron Fern when you worked with him? Do you do you probably not need to pick his brain anymore? No, I think spending eight years there, and I think uh, yeah, more than enough, more than enough time to again, again, a, a great coach in the sure, league, absolutely trem- tremendous success. Um, you know, definitely a tr- tremendous uh, mentor for me as I was coming into the coaching ranks. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, he definitely passed a lot of his wisdom mm-hmm. uh, to me across the years. So I was very grateful for that opportunity uh, when I was with him in Kenya. No, for sure, and doing some good things in the US as well. So. So yeah. it's good to see with with Fernie, but now okay, okay, Jamie, we've got to pick out of those those three. I think it's fair to say that James probably doesn't come into calculations. Would I be Would I be correct? Oh yeah, look, uh, great. You know, to, to, you know, we always want to get a perspective on where we sit as athletes. You know, or you know, yeah. coaches in the picking of water. So yeah, um, yeah look, uh, if it's between those three there, um, I think I'm going to call. You know, that was. Um, you know, Really, really good question there. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Kyle today. Yep, well, congratulations, Kyle. And, and Nick, keep your questions coming. I think you won a prize with us last year, so keep them coming, and it's only a matter of time before you'll get a get a prize again this year as, as well. So thanks for thanks for that, Jamie, and thanks to Sports Card World for making that possible. Before I let you go, how have preparations been now since Tuesday night for, for this game on Saturday against Melbourne United, and how close to a full squad will we have available? Yeah, look, we uh, you know, saw one, one, one or two guys who um, have a special day, but uh, look, we, we, we feel like we'll be pretty much at full screen. Um, I actually had a really good couple of days hit out, uh, some quite uh, intense sessions, shorter. We shortened them down, obviously, because, you know, just with a, a short time between games. But uh, look, it's just a, a great feeling amongst the group, though, obviously, to get back on the floor and actually play 
uh, was was um, great, and you're just looking forward to look. We're playing against the reigning champions, you know, um, who have now won six straight, I believe. And yep. So it, yeah. So just uh, yeah, look, looking again, uh, looking forward to the challenge again, and, and the guys are definitely ready to go, healthy, and um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, we're all looking forward to it. So thanks very much for joining us, Jamie, and we look forward to doing it again next time. But yeah, good luck tomorrow, and go get some more wins. Appreciate it very much. Welcome back to Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. I'm back with the man himself, Scott Ninnis. Um, enjoyed that with Jamie Perlman. We've got a few curly questions for him, and obviously we've now got a got another winner thanks to Sports Card World, so I hope that Kyle enjoys his prize. I want to get your thoughts on one of the questions that I did ask Jamie about, Scott. It was it's the it turned out to be the winning question from Kyle. He, he asked Jamie, which three players from the history of basketball anywhere in the world would you want to sit around the table with and pick their brains? I was fascinated by his answer, but I won't spoil it for you. I won't tell you what his answer was, and I'll get your answer first. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, look, look, look! for me, I mean, my hero in basketball was always Dr. J, Julius Erving. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about anyone now, anyone. are we? Yeah, or anyone. anyone. Um, so, yeah, he, he would be at my table. Michael Jordan would have to be at my table. Um. Oh, wow, dude, that's a that's a really really tough question. I, I I might actually like to go back. I reckon Wilt Chamberlain would have a mm. lot of stories oh. as well. And, and I think I, I don't even know I if you'd want to talk to him about basketball necessarily. No, but no. <laughs> yeah. and, and I I always think that he's been overlooked. You know, as far as an all time player mm-hmm. because of the uh, you know because the Bill Russell Celtics team you know was so successful. Successful yeah. in that era, yeah. I see Wilt Chamberlain and Shaquille O'Neal with athleticism. I, yeah. I think he would have, you know, I, I see he's the most to me he's the most dominant player of all time. I I've got I've got him third all time, yeah. you know, and yeah. I know that. Uh, and if you talk to me about five or six years ago, I probably had him as the best player of all time. Yeah. I know that not even that's not you know not, not popular thinking, but uh, yeah, but I mean his well, numbers are absolutely unparalleled. No one no one had the type of numbers. Points and rebounding no, that he uh, no, and never have, mm. and, and uh, never will. But yeah, well, that, well there you go, Do- Doctor J, Michael Jordan, and Wilt Chamberlain. I reckon that'd be a pretty good night. I don't reckon you get too much, uh, too much words in yourself. But uh, <laughs> you don't need to dude, just dude, sit there and listen. Fascinating <laughs> night. You'll be interested in what Jamie's answer was. So he's an assistant coach. Guess, guess who one of the people he picked was as an assistant coach right now. Oh, God, I don't know. What? He picked his head uh, coach. He picked his head coach. Well, he's a yeah. piss-ass, isn't yeah, he? Well, I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> there's the bonus. There's the bonus looking at Keith's job. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> um, his other one was Brian Gorgian, so it's tough to argue with that if you wanted to pick someone's brain in terms of Australian basketball. And his first one was Greg Popovich. So he's he's gone down the coaching front. He obviously wanted to pick their coaching brains. Yeah, and, and, look, and look, I mean, the reason I spoke about the blokes I did, I was thinking more just from a basketball entertainment yeah, night. Like, yeah. I was co- I was coached by Gordon for two years. Yeah, he is fascinating to sit down and listen to. 
Yeah, especially if you get him with, with Bruce Palmer, that mm-hmm. is uh, that is a night of comedy and basketball that is uh, you would you would pay good money for. Popovich is obviously the doyen, you know, like uh, yeah, and and, and and look, CJ, yeah, like CJ's is as successful as anyone this league's ever seen, yep. and he's a great storyteller oh, as yeah. well. I, I don't know if the other two would get a word in. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't. And then you <laughs> added you. Had, you add in uh, cow brood to that oh, uh, conversation. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. From a, yeah, from a from a coaching point of view, I reckon Jamie's got it pretty right. Yep, yeah, I, I agree. We we have a bit of fun with it, but I I think it, it's, <laughs> it's it's tough to argue. Now, now Scott, let's keep moving because I'm really excited for this game on Saturday night back at the Entertainment Centre against Melbourne United because I think. A lot of people are expecting Melbourne to, to waltz in and go away with the win, but after what we saw on Tuesday night, the 36ers should have a lot of confidence. And and above everything else, before we get to the game itself, I can't wait to see Mitch McCarron and Matthew Delavadova go at it, especially after what we saw last half from Daly. That was his, the career-best night he's had at any level of basketball where he, he went out and hit seven threes, had 33 points in that win over the Illawarra Hawks. And, and we know that the four, know the form Mitch is in himself. So they're going to be go, going at it head-to-head and... I can't wait to see it. Oh, look, confidence is a wonderful thing, but oh, I'd be surprised if Billy ever has that sort of game again. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I saw that an article with Gordon saying, well, he did that because he was, you know, the fact that he played in two and a half minutes in that last game of the, uh, mm. you know, in the Olympic game. So I think that's a bit of a stretch. Well, I you, think, you, you, know, you can't just all, all of a sudden make three points <laughs> because of that, can you? No, correct. So, but uh, yeah, obviously you want to do well against uh, you know all the opposition. So look, I I said it right from the start, so I'll stick with it. I think at the NBL level that uh, I expect Mitch McCarron to be a better player than Delavadova. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying he is a better player than Delavadova because yeah. Delavadova has had NBA career, but at this time in their lives, I. And I don't necessarily think they might go head-to-head either. I, I think you might see, you know, Mitch McCarron chasing Golding around at the start of the game. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe Dusty Hammers on, on, on McCarron as well. But, I mean, that's, you know, it, it's a it's an intriguing uh, matchup. Um, I think from our point of view, the confidence we take from Tuesday night should be should be huge. You know, Melbourne are coming in on a six-game winning streak. They've got as much talent as anyone in the competition. But this is just such a weird time that we find ourselves in mm. that, once again, I, I would, uh, you know, like if you're someone that's used to betting on sport, this would be the worst time oh, in yeah. your entire life to ever do it because there's no... There's no, you know, you're not taking any, you know, long-term form into it. I think we, I think we have a great chance to mm-hmm. go in and, and beat them tomorrow night. I really do. And uh, yeah, we're at home. You know, like things are semi back to normal. Um, my understanding is Isaac Humphries won't won't play, and that that's a big out. But also, once again, it shortens the rotation. We get we get. More consistent minutes into a lot of guys. Um, you know, Bairstow plays consistent minutes. Maybe we see a Soto or, or a Malou, you know, in those hot yeah. minutes that Isaac played the other night. Or, um, or, or you've got Harris that can play some more minutes too. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I like our chances. And the most amazing thing out of that I take out of this whole situation is we're three and three. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had games where we've been bloody awful, yep. 
it's round three, and and the season is wide open, and you know we get back on track, we're we're you know we're a playoff contender again. It's just it's just such a weird and wonderful situation that you know this league finds itself in now. That you know we're not zero and six, we're mm-hmm. three and three, mm. um, playing at home. We get four games in the next seven days. Now, when you and I are talking in a week's time. Mm. Who knows what situation yeah. we're going to be in? But um, it's uh, it, I, I think right now it's you know we find ourselves in a good spot that we've come in and we've beaten Perth, been at home, sleep in your own beds for three or four nights, had some on court sessions, and go into a game tomorrow night uh, against a great opposition. Um, but uh, I, I, I like our chances as much as you can can hopefully like someone's chances, mm. I suppose. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Melbourne. They're not necessarily the most dynamic team offensively, even though we know that you know Chris Golding can catch fire. We've seen Caleb Bagata, their their one import, can catch fire at different times. Um, Joe Lawalichul can can have his moments, and on probably the the rare nights, Delhi can shoot like he did as well. But I think their great strength is their defense. I think that's what they won their championship on last year, where teams just struggled to get over seventy points against them. And in this six game winning streak that they're on. It's been a similar thing. Teams just really struggle to score against them. So what, what does Adelaide need to do well to, to score enough points to, to win the game? Oh, look, I'd love us to see, you know, to find a way to free up Dusty Hannes. And, and that, that's from a team point of view and also yeah. from his point of view as well. I'd, you know, I'd rather see him take some... He's looked hesitant at times and that wasn't the guy that I saw pre-season. Well, he was a guy that yeah. was just out of the five starters on Tuesday. He took the least amount of three pointers, and he's meant to be the best three point shooter on the team. Yeah, and like I said, he's been hesitant at times, and that you know that's a confidence thing as well. I, I'd like it to see to see us run stuff for him, like like Melbourne run for Golding, and yeah, you know, like, take ten threes, and if you don't make one, take another ten. You know yeah. that's what shooters do. You know they they always. They can miss a hundred in a row. Their confidence is always going to be that they're going to make the next one. So I'd like I'd like to see us get him going. But once again, that's also on him as well to you know shoot the shot, you know shoot shots with confidence as well. But uh, does, look, it does, really, he, does he drive the ball too much when he should be taking a taking an outside shot? Given how good of a shooter he's supposed to be, I think so. I, I think uh, once again, I, I'd love him to. If he shoots 10 threes a game, I'm happy with that. And I'd be encouraging him to keep shooting it. So oh, I think he's try, what he tr- he tries to do the team thing. No, he does. You know, like, and he wants to, and he wants to do the right thing. But I think there needs to be a point where it's like, yeah, he needs to just back himself and become the, the shooter that, we, well, that he is. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like he's the not like the shooter we think he could be. It's the shooter that he is. Yeah. Um, go out there with confidence and, um, you know, back yourself. So, and to be honest, yeah, we, to be we, honest we, as a coach, CJ should just tell him to go out there and play like I did. Go and shoot. Yeah, and, it, and, and he, pro- you know, well, he probably does too. But <laughs> yeah. Um, um, So, yeah, I think, you know, against a team, as you said, that are defensive mind and Vickerman's, you know, you know runs, runs a great uh, system. Defensively, you got to find a way to get some cheap baskets at times, um, and that and that's always the uh, you know do you do that in transition? Do you, do you back yourself and, and try and get guys free and shoot some early threes? I mean that that decision for 
CJ and, and, and Jamie and, you know, I know, you know, when Jamie's sort of doing the scout, you know, I don't think I'd have, rather have anyone else, you know, <laughs> putting a scout together for me than, than him. So, but yeah, it's, oh, I think as confident as I can be, I, I think they'll come out and do well tomorrow night. And then after that, it's straight over to Wollongong to play the Illawarra Hawks on, on Monday. Um, what are you what are you expecting from that game? Because they're they're obviously a talented team as well, and we know how well coached they are. But they've got they've got a they've got a good team. I mean, I, I like that they've they've strengthened their backcourt by getting Rat and Mays there to help out Tyler Harvey. Um, the Froling brothers are playing well. Duop Reith's playing well. Uh, they're probably a better team than they were last year. So we saw them in person earlier in the season when they they were too good for for the thirty sixes. What what can what can we expect on Monday night? Fantastic. I, I love the fact that it's a quick turnaround. Yep. You know, you get a game tomorrow night that hopefully we do well in. You know, let, let's get some games back to back. You know, like it's, it's, you don't have time to think too much, to overthink it. You know, you don't have time. You travel on the Sunday. You play them on the Monday night. There's, there's bugger all time to, you know, to, to go over and over and over what you're going to do from a scout point of view. So you just you have the opportunity to go and play. You know, and then we play the following Thursday night. I, as a player right now, after what the last month has served up, mate, I, I'd be salivating about the fact that yeah, you've got sure. four games in a week. I reckon that, that that's awesome. And that if you're a competitor and that's because everyone loves it, every player loves playing more than they like training, mm-hmm. I reckon that, that's a great opportunity. And like I said, who knows this time next week what we'll be talking about, Chris, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you know, like I love the fact they get some games very close together, and and hopefully we do well out of it. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, it's been been fun doing a show. We've got a good Adelaide Thirty Sixes performance to talk about, Scott. So I hope everyone's <laughs> in, enjoyed t- tuning in. Thanks to Sports Card World, obviously, for our Ask the Coach segment. Thank you to the ongoing support of Australian Motors Mitsubishi. We'll have more more on them next week because they've had a bit of a bit of a brand change, and we'll we'll announce our winner of the prize pack with them next week after these couple of games over the next next few days. Thank you to Kelly Barnes and his great work as a photographer with All-Star Photos. And, yeah, let's look forward to Saturday against Melbourne United, first of all, back at the Entertainment Centre. I'm Chris Pike. I'll sign off. And, and Scott, I'll finish off with, what are you most excited about seeing now against Melbourne on Saturday? Oh, well, mate, more of the same, obviously. That, go, that goes without saying. But uh, I, to me... Mitch McCarron. I, I think it's uh, it, it's not it's not him versus Deliver Dover as much as the NBA wants to pump it up. <laughs> as I said, I, I don't even necessarily think that they'll you know they'll they'll defend each other at a certain period. I, I just want, like to see you know progression of what we saw last week for him to be that uh, that that facilitator you know that that rebounder and more importantly that aggressive offensive player um, because. I yeah, and I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I think we go as he goes. I think he's he's the guy that's going to yeah, where we finish is going to be a lot of that's going to be relying upon the way he plays and, and his leadership. And uh, I, I think yeah, I want to see him play well. I want to see Sunday Debs continue to develop uh, you know back from injury. But uh, yeah, can't wait for the game.